2: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Cray America. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1 800 743 CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Has the gloom. The gloom that has enshrouded us for so long, has that gloom at last been busted? we got a very rare back-to-back bull market show. triple of my great earnings, thank you Goldman Sachs, and a retail sales number, which allowed the Dow to jump 382 points in one day after a big gain yesterday. S&P took up, tacked on 1.75 percent Nasdaq advanced 0.50%. Meanwhile, the government's lifted the ban on foreign travel and approved vaccine booster shots. Both of these are great for confidence because COVID remains the biggest drag on this economy. Now, of course, this is a what have you done for me lately kind of business, right? Which means next week we have to run another gauntlet of earnings season all over again. So let's go right to the game plan. Uh, Monday, we get results from Albertsons. You've been to an Albertsons probably. It's a big grocery chain under a lot of different names. Typically, I don't like the supermarkets. Margins are too low. But Albertsons keeps expanding its margins, which is why I like it so much. I think we stick with this one. I've liked it since it came public. Tuesday morning, we hear from two best-of-breed operators. Write these two down because they're going to work, J&J and Procter & Gamble. I think Johnson Johnson will rock the quarter and tell us that it's ring-fenced, it's Hal Klaas' lawsuit's liability issue, uh, with the establishment of a new subsidiary yesterday, which then immediately filed bankruptcy, to manage those claims. But that will allow us to focus on the company's fabulous new drug pipeline, maybe the best in the entire industry. As for Procter, I bet it goes, for, uh, goes just like PepsiCo. That was a stock that's been roaring ever since it reported some incredible organic growth from many other companies didn't have it. you got my blessing to buy them both ahead of the quarter. Although, just so you know, I prefer J&J. We've got a slew of airline numbers coming this week, and with easing of travel restrictions, you know what? I think they can tell better stories, say, than uh, Delta did this week. United reports on Tuesday, followed by American and Southwest on Thursday. They'll most likely try their best to talk about the future while avoiding the past, especially the last 90 days. Uh, normally, I would have said that, that you should go by Southwest Air I think it's okay, but I think United's become the better play and it's got more international. After the close on Tuesday, there's Netflix. Now, this stock has been roaring thanks to Squid Game, which is a global phenomenon, and it's from South Korea. Squid dominates the virtual water cooler chatter, and that means Netflix should have a ton of new subscribers. All the more impressive when you consider that the show itself wasn't that expensive to make. Astounding company, isn't it? Also on Tuesday, Ulta Beauty's got an analyst meeting. Now, this stock's been a rocket, but after spending some time with CEO Dave Kimball at the beautiful flagship store in Manhattan, wow. The story is still too good to ignore even up here. Wednesday starts early with results from ASML Holdings. That's an extraordinary Dutch semiconductor equipment maker. We know there's a gigantic semiconductor shortage worldwide, and you need ASML's machines, which are about as big as a city bus, to manufacture more of their highest-end chips. Their technology is so important and so cutting edge that our government actually blocks the sale of their products to China. If ASML gives you any insight about how to solve the chip shortage, oh, my, i pull tech roar. Then we get a deeper read into semiconductor equipment when LAM Research, Long Kramer Fave reports it to the close. I think the numbers can be very strong. By the end of the day, we should have the whole picture of what increasingly feels like a dire situation, especially if the People's Republic of China keeps escalating the provocations and the rhetoric about Taiwan. Remember, the largest semiconductor manufacturer in the world is Taiwan Semi. They delivered a great quarter earlier this week, igniting a chip rally. Let's hope China stops pressuring Taiwan, both for world peace sake and to preserve the tattered semiconductor supply chain. Also on Wednesday, we uh, hear from one that bores a lot of people to Abbott Labs. Doesn't bore me. Now, this, these guys had to pre-announce the downside. earnings Shortfall not that long ago because they made all these fantastic at-home COVID tests. But for one brief moment, we thought that we had the pandemic under the control and on the ropes. Then Delta hit, and these Binax now tests, well, they've been flying off the shelves. I got like a dozen of them. Personally, I wish the Abbott Labs narrative could get back to the greatness of its medical devices, which is why we owned it for so long for a charitable trust. And remember, you want to know more about that, you can follow by joining our investing club. We put up this QR code to make it as easy as possible. And we, we got a fine write-up, by the way, of some salient portfolio names and cogent data. For next week, that's going to be delivered right to your inbox shortly. Then there are to the telcos. Verizon reports on Wednesday and ATT reports on Thursday. Now, we want to know about new subscriber additions. And we want, therefore, a read-through on iPhone sales. Because remember, they give you the iPhone sales. iPhones, And that's going to really boost Apple sales. But I don't think we want to own either stock. And while I think Verizon and ATT stocks have both reached their lows, that doesn't mean they're ready to run. You don't buy stocks that have stopped going lower. You buy stocks because you think they'll go higher. I don't have a catalyst right now for either Verizon or AT&T. After the close Wednesday, we get results from IBM. Now, we placed this one in our investing club bullpen last week. So after the quarter, we're going to get a sense of whether it's time to pull the trigger for the charitable trust. You know what I think is probably going to have the most likely uh, uh, blowout quarter next week? Tesla, that's who. When you see brokerage firm after brokerage firm raising numbers before an earnings report, it's usually is time the numbers are going to be insanely good. And that's why I would bet on Tesla. I hate to use that term bet when it comes to stocks, but Tesla's a good bet. Then we've got two rails with CSX coming on Wednesday night and Union Pacific following up on Thursday morning. We'll be all over these two because I'm betting they can tell us all about the supply chain failures we keep hearing about. I suspect we'll hear that things have actually gotten worse, not better. Uh, just get used to it. We need more technology and, frankly, more better paid people to be involved in this logistics chain in order to end the, ni- and to end the nightmare. And for the close Thursday, we hear from Chipotle. And that's one of my absolute favorite companies. I think it's going to be a terrific quarter. I reiterate that this stock could be headed to $2,000, something I've now been saying for uh, 1,500 points. By the way, the brisket's been a total home run. Hey. Get in the burrito. You don't have to get in the bowl. It's, it's not that fattening. Now, will Intel surprise us to close? I mean, that would require a huge lift. And I don't know if CEO Pat Gelsinger can deliver that lift. I say stay long AMD and NVIDIA, the new kings of the semiconductor industry that have dethroned Intel. Then there's Snap, the parent of Snapchat. When we read surveys about online advertising, we keep seeing that Snap's gaining ground. It's sweeter uh, than Twitter kind of thing, you know? Stocks had a stunning move. I bet it can continue. Friday's got three that I want to own. Honeywell, American Express and Slumberjay. Honeywell's got a mosaic of industrial businesses. They're no longer relying on commercial aircraft. I think we'll hear uh, that. That's what we like, which is why we have always we've owned this position since the days of Dave Cody. He was the previous CEO, now starish a check for the travel trust. American Express did well during the lockdown. Imagine how much they can make now. I think they're doing well. Well enough to give you a set of better than expected numbers. As for Slumberjade, who wouldn't want to own the number one oil service company with the price of crude at 80 bucks? Hey, maybe they'll tell us crude's going to 100. Crypticians or is it crypto, uh, cryptocrats? Cryptocurrency advocates were going nuts today about how the SEC might grant an ETF or two for Bitcoin futures. And it might be as early as Tuesday. The speculators are bidding up crypto entities left and right, betting that the ETF will lead to a colossal spike in interest. I think that interest is coming right now not after the ETF starts trading, and it's gotten too overheated for me. I'm actually thinking of selling some, not all, because i got a core position of my Ethereum. The bottom line, we've had an amazing couple of days ever since the beginning of September. You know, I've warned you that the market hits a rough patch, and it lasts through late September and through early October. But once we get through the midpoint, then we have to get more sanguine. Well, here we are. It is time to be constructive, because the capital is finally here to save the day. Gregory in California, Gregory. Good day, kind sir. Ah, oh, good day I to told yourself. I called you uh, just over a year ago on this same company when it was trading around $1,200 a share. And you told me it was a screaming buy. So after doing my own research, I'm an educated club member. Thank you. I bought it and wrote it all the way up to almost $2,000 a share where it was, oh, about a month ago. So thank you for that, first of all. If I'd sold it, I would have named my new jet ski claimer. But I'm an investor here. I'm not a trader, and especially with this one. And the street had it going all the way up to 3000 So I was surprised to see it just collapse. Not 5% like the rest of the market or 10% like a lot of other 10 stocks, but 25%. It went down to the, the mid-1400s yeah. on no news whatsoever. No, none, yeah, but I, I, I can tell week, you right now, Gregory, I, and I was an original investor in Macario Libre, which is the eBay of Latin America. I, I think you can buy some. Uh, yes, I wish you'd traded around, sold some 2000 buy some you dollars but that, that's too hard. But the reality is, is that what we care about is that it is a great company, and it's doing very well, and I think you're fine in it. I need to go to Michael in New York. Michael! Booyah, Jim! How are Bo- you doing today? I am doing well. How about you? I'm doing great. Thank Good you for you. Thank you for
1: doing all you do.
3: Oh,
2: you're um,
1: I have a question about the stock FUBU. Um... I'm a 23-year-old graduate
2: from The Ohio State University, Um, and it's such a saturated streaming space that's very new and uh, seems to be growing, as I am uh, actually a current subscriber of FUBU. Uh, um,
1: And the recent uh, partnerships with uh, NASCAR, the Jets, and Paysafe do you see growth potential with the earnings on uh, November
2: 9th? Um, I think it's, to be- it's too speculative for me. A lot, look, I did what a lot of people did. I I signed up for a Green Bay Packers game a year ago and then canceled immediately after I saw the Packers game. Uh, I don't think it has staying power. I honestly don't. Now, finally, a light at the end of the tunnel. After getting through this seasonally rough patch in late September and early October, we have to get more sanguine as the end of the month beckons. Now it's time to be constructive again. Oh, man, Money tonight, now that we've heard from all six major banks, it's time to run our quarterly check-in that we do every year for the financial sector. I'm breaking down all the action and which stocks to consider even up here. Then the FDA's advisory committee voted unanimously to approve a COVID booster shot for Moderna. I'm finding out why you may have Amazon to thank. Don't miss my exclusive with the CEO of Amazon Web Services, AWS. And the averages is ending the week on a high note, but is your portfolio prepared for what's to come? I'll be the judge of that when we play MI diversified. So stay with Kramer.
4: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call
2: Now that we've heard from all six major banks... It's time to run our quarterly check-in on the financial sector. Because the banks report first, and because they're so important to the economy, they set the tone for the entire earnings season. Their strength is a huge reason why the market rallied so hard for the last couple of days. So let's take them one by one, starting with J.P. Morgan, which reported on Wednesday. This one was a little misleading, actually. Although the quarter was solid, the stock came in so hot, up 31% for the year. So Wall Street greeted the results with a yawn and then a sell-off. In fact, J.P. Morgan was actually down down 4% points. After putting a quarter, I said it was pretty good. It was up, One point it was up a dollar. Uh, the stocks now erased those losses, though, thanks to the positive pin action from the rest of the group. And that's deserving. Jamie Diamond did a very good job. They delivered a modest top and bottom line beat. They had negative loan growth in their consumer business, even as management believes that will improve as the world returns to normal. At the same time, Diamond said that he'll, and this is really what killed it, spend quote, whatever it takes, end quote, In order to fend off the nascent competition for the financial tech space, where companies like Affirm are branching out from buy now, pay later into debit cards and even cash banking accounts. That means they're getting more promotional with their credit card business, and that's going to be expensive. Long story short, JP Morgan gave you a fine quarter. There was nothing to write home about, nothing to sell from. In in any other environment, honestly, the stock could have rallied a couple of bucks, but not when it had run so much into the print and not when it's compared with what I'm about to tell you. Next up, yesterday, we heard from four of the biggest banks, and their numbers were a lot more encouraging. Bank of America was the star of the show, by far, actually. They reported a quarter that was beautiful in its simplicity. Revenue came in much better than expected, up 12% year-over-year, while overall expenses were roughly flat, which translated into 58% earnings worth. Glorious leverage. Meanwhile, Bank of America's deposit base grew by 15% versus last year. It now stands at $1.9 trillion, in large part because they're winning so much business with their terrific online banking platform, which I use and love. Each of Bank of America's four main divisions did better than expected, and management made you feel very confident about the state of the consumer. The consumer's very flush. No wonder the stock jumped 4% yesterday and another 3% today. Going forward, you need to remember that Bank of America is the one that's most levered to rising interest rates. If you think long-term rates can keep climbing for the next few quarters, as many on Wall Street think, this stock will be unstoppable. It's now at 46 bucks and change. I think it won't be long until Bank of America breaks out above $50. Next up, let's talk about the two banks that we own for the charitable trust, which you can follow by joining the CNBC Investing Club. And that's that QR code that you see I want you to to join with me, okay? Because we're going to have a lot of fun together and we're going to learn a lot. And here I'm talking about Morgan Stanley and Wells Fargo. Now, I love the stock of Morgan Stanley because this investment bank has been transforming itself You know, more of a wealth management business. And you can kind of see, I don't know if you can see the consistency just from this, but bear out here. This is a business that uh, is much more consistent than investment banking. Look, they still have good trading underwriting, M&A. But, you know, when when Morgan Stanley reported a top and bottom line beat yesterday of great consistency, Wall Street was focused on the wealth management and investment management business. Whoa, I love those. Uh, they did they came in a little wicked inspected, but they were so, so strong, uh, say, versus everybody else's, that the stock did great. And you know, it didn't initially. Initially, it sold off. But I think that was a knee-jerk reaction, and it was a mistake because there was a ton of good news, but you had to look for it. Sure, Morgan Stanley's made a big move into asset management, but they're still an investment bank, and that core business was on fire. Even better, their expenses came in much lower than expected, although they still got some room to run here. Okay, When I spoke to James Gorman, he's the CEO on Squawk on the Street yesterday, he told a very compelling story, and he reminded us that Morgan Stanley's got a notoriously B.I.G. buyback that can help prop up the stock. In the end, the stock finished the day up more than 2 Bucks. They rallied another dollar plus today, despite getting hit with a downgrade from RBC uh, Capital. I thought it was. A, I thought it was a fatuous downgrade, as I said this morning. When a stock shrugs off downgrades, that tells more. It tells me more about the stock than anything. It can withstand. Right now, Morgan Stanley trades at less than 14 times next year's earnings, and if its big push into asset management, I think one day it's going to sell at 20 times earnings. So there's not a little room to run. There's a lot of room to run. All right. Now, here's a real quandary for people. Wells Fargo. Some people gave up on it foolishly yesterday. Not us. Wells is easily the worst of the big banks. I know that. You know that. But we own it for the Chapel Trust. Why? Because it's a turnaround story with a very cheap stock and it exploded higher today, rallying 7%. I think that move came because of a belief that CEO Charlie Scharf has finally put the bad old scandal plague days behind them. And now it is ready to play offense. Anyone who dumped it yesterday, you know, probably kicking themselves. It's a terrific stock, though, and as we emphasize endlessly to the investment club, and you don't want to sell it even up here. And if it comes in, we're going to tell you to buy more if you're a club member. If Wells Fargo is the worst of the big banks, Citigroup is easily the second worst. The problem with Cities is it just doesn't give you much to get excited about. It's not bad. Hence why the stock's been flat since early March while the rest of the banks have run. While Citi's headline numbers came in better than expected, when you drilled down this quarter, it did have some issues, okay? The consumer banking business saw revenue decline by 5%, including, oh, uh, that's excluding one-time items, down 5%. Even as its expenses were up 5%, uh-uh. Kind of the opposite of Bank of America, frankly, where sales were up and expenses were flat. Of course, those expenses went to pay for Citi's attempts to transform itself, so the stock wasn't punished. As new CEO Jane Fraser is still getting the benefit of the doubt, as she should. Putting it all together, Citigroup didn't make much progress, but there were no real setbacks either. So the stock rallied a couple of bucks on those numbers. Still feels like it's trapped in the, in the low 70s, but it's very inexpensive and it's uh, selling well below its average tangible book. Finally, wow. Shot the lights out. Alumni, listen up. And that's because I worked at this place. Goldman Sachs reported an incredible blowout today. It was a monster sales and earnings beat. Normally, when Goldman crushes the estimates, greeted with skepticism. Oh, it's one time only. can't last. Sure, they did great. But what are they going to do for you next quarter? This time, they actually got some credit with the stock jumping nearly four percent. Perhaps because Wall Street's finally learning its less. Goldman has made so much money in the last nine months that Even if they didn't make a single penny in the fourth quarter, this would still be their best year in history. Think about that. The best part, even for today's colossal run, the stock is down 15 bucks from its August highs. It sells for just over 10 times earnings. This is still going higher. Plus, given Goldman's recent track record, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they smashed the estimates in 2022, the same way they smashed them in 2021. Solomon's doing a good job. Is the stock a slam dunk? I don't know. You never can say that, but it is good. And I got to tell you, I found myself wondering at one point if I made a mistake leaving Goldman Sachs to start my own hedge fund and then all me be on TV. But you know what? I'm happy. Here's the bottom line. The big banks have changed the tone of this entire market. It's clear from these numbers that the economy is in a much better place than we thought it was. And so are these old dog institutions that are learning new tricks. I want to take questions for just a 2nd b B24. B24 twenty twenty, All right. Never mind. Never mind. OK, let's go to Guadalupe in New York. Guadalupe. Hey, Jim, how are you? Good afternoon. I'm good. First how are you? Member and that's just a member. Yes. Oh, I mean the club, the club. We want you to be in the investment. But go yeah. ahead. What's up? Question. I have a question for Ally Financial. Okay. I know the uh, interest rates might be going up. You think that's a that's a start for me to hold or to sell since I already made over 100 percent. Look, I think it's a great rebound stock. It does remind me of Wells without the scandals. A very inexpensive stock, even up pure. But you're over, well, you know, if you're that much, okay, if you're that much, what you want to do is you want to cut it in half and ring the register and play with the house's money for the rest of the game. Well done. Well played banks set the tone for earnings season, and their strength is a huge reason why the market has rallied so, so hard. I mean, these are, these are all so much better than expected that it put a lot of new money into the marketplace as we realize maybe things are going to be pretty good. It's clear for the numbers that the economy is in a much, much better place. Now, we got much, much more mad money ahead. Surely you know Amazon and its core e-commerce business, but are you missing a key component of the company that makes me always want to own it despite of COVID or with COVID or whatever? Don't make a move tonight, because I am highlighting Amazon Web Services with the division CEO. He does not do TV. He does this show. Plus, crypto enthusiasts and the ETF industry are bracing for the start of the trading of the first Bitcoin futures. The ETF could start Tuesday. You know, I'm a believer, and after a few wild weeks for the averages, I'm wondering how you should position yourself and your portfolio. I'm here to play Am I Diversified once again. So stay with Kramer.
1: You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.
0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.
2: Everybody's worried about Amazon's e-commerce business can hold up in the face of very tough comparisons versus last year, remember COVID, which is why the stock's barely up for the year, although it did value 109 points today. But the real story here isn't the retail business. It's Amazon Web Services, AWS. This is the business that practically invented the cloud computing industry 15 years ago. And AWS still dominates it today. Not only that, but in the most recent quarter, its sales actually accelerated from 32% to 37%. At this point, if AWS were independent, It would be number 54 in the Fortune 500, slotted between Valero Energy and Boeing, certainly doing better than the latter. So what's the secret of their success? Earlier today, we got a chance to sit down with Adam Solipsky. He's the CEO of Amazon Web Services. You might remember him as the former CEO of Tableau Software. Take a look. Adam, you run one of the most exciting companies on Earth within a company. And I want people to know how fast you're growing, you have accelerating revenue growth, and what you would be as a standalone, because you've got a gigantic enterprise that you run.
3: Well, uh, the AWS has uh, become pretty big. It's uh, now uh, almost a $60 billion a year company. Last quarter, we grew about uh, 37% year over year. Uh, but we, uh, I think, are, are incredibly well-placed as part of Amazon. I think it's really good for customers that we're focusing on what they need and uh, not on some of the things that maybe standalone companies uh, have to focus on. Let's talk about that
2: differentiation. Uh, there's a technical, it's a technological differentiation. It's not, we used to think the cloud's plug and play, but you need to, for a big customer, you have to design stuff. I know you have chips that, that, you, that are special. Amazon Web Services is not a cookie cutter operation.
3: No, well, we were really the, the, the pioneers of the cloud, started uh, serving customers in 2006 so we really got out a a number of years before uh, really any other uh, company did and particularly the old card technology companies were particularly slow to decide that uh, this was something that customers needed so we got out first and then uh, we really pride ourselves on being innovators and on moving really quickly right so we uh, continue to to move faster than pretty much anybody else and so as a result, we have uh, the, the broadest set of services, we have the deepest set of capabilities within each service, and we're really f- focused on cutting-edge innovation. You, you, you mentioned uh, the silicone, so we are actually uh, are designing our own uh, chips now, which is an incredible win for customers. We have a, a several different uh, chips that we've designed so far with more to come. Uh, one of the latest ones is called Graviton2, which actually has 40% better price performance for customers than the comparable X86-based well, chips. Let's talk about that, because Andy Jassy, we had the privilege of interviewing him when, when he was in, in your shoes before he
2: became CEO. And he was, I was saying, listen, people, what is the real value proposition? He said, we cut price constantly. We just offer more and more
3: of a bargain. Is that still the case? Uh, absolutely, Jim. We've actually cut prices, I believe, 109 times over the history of AWS. And most of those times have been really in the absence of any competitive pressure to do so. Our, our strategy is really we, we figure out how to innovate in order to lower our own costs and then we pass those savings on to customers in the form of lower prices and we innovate in uh, more powerful uh, just better ways of doing things like compute and storage and so even at the same price you'd be getting say a 40 percent better uh, price performance well, ratio. because There is competition. Now uh, we had the privilege of interviewing
2: uh, Stefan Bensell, before Moderna was Moderna, the stock was at 18. I bumped into him and he was telling me that we use Amazon Web Services. He was basically talking about a safe, crack, safe cracker. There's a trillion different combinations. Now, ultimately, I, you have not been able to, you, you've not gotten the credit for what Moderna has done to save the world.
3: And it's pretty big. Oh, what Moderna has done is incredible. I'm very happy. They deserve all the credit they get along with uh, many of the other. Uh, pharmaceutical companies, and we work with, uh, with pretty much all of them. But Moderna was actually using AWS before right. the pandemic hit, and they were uh, running their drug design studio Incredible. on AWS, and of course, that literally, along with some other companies, was revolutionizing the way that uh, drugs, and particularly vaccines, are developed. And Moderna also moved their, uh, their manufacturing platform, which was digitized. It was their digital manufacturing platform onto AWS. And we were working with them. This is in you know, 2019, uh, early 2020. Then, of course, the pandemic hit, and w- with with all of that experience and all of that capability already in place, uh, running on AWS, Moderna took a what would normally be a 20-month process just to develop the first mRNA COVID vaccine. Right. Instead of 20 months, they developed it in 42 days. Well, there it is. It's absolutely That's stunning, what and it shows you the power truly of what incredible technology and innovation by a customer when that meets the cloud, meets AWS. You know what can happen. It, we're uh, honestly just uh, privileged and honored to be part of that success. Well, their first, uh, the first patient that it worked for was right at the bottom of the market.
2: If you take a look, and no one could believe they did it so fast, but they used AWS. Now I also see. I happen to be a huge NFL fan. Uh, I see, uh, fortunately, I don't have to play McCaffrey against him because he's been hurt, but I see these fabulous ads. Now, what are they doing in terms of why consumers should know about AWS, or is that just a branding? Why? Because it's exciting. They're great ads, but what does it mean for you?
3: Well, I think for consumers, so the, the, the NFL is, is really running an entire um, uh, analytic capability on AWS. Yeah. And uh, for consumers, what it means is the ability to... Uh, have what we call next-gen stats, yes. and there is this great yes. campaign with, with Stat That, and, oh, uh, and they're, they're pretty fun commercials, but at the end of the day, it's about providing uh, NFL fans with, with more and better information about the game and about all of their favorite players. Uh, it's good, of course, for the NFL because it helps them be cutting-edge, be innovative. Come out with a better product, and we've been working with uh, with Roger and his team there, you know, for for a number of years. It's a great partnership. We're also doing things around, you know, player safety and being able to model right. and analyze that. So it's not all fun and games. Some of it's actually about health, and uh, we, we take that part really seriously well, as well. Glad,
2: glad you do. Now we first met you at Tableau. Mm-hmm. And then you, uh, Mark Benioff, Salesforce, merged with you. Correct. Uh, uh, I know I talked to Mark ahead of time. He loves you, even though you left. So you obviously <laughs> left on great terms. You have a terrific partnership with him?
3: We do. Uh, Mark's great. Uh, the whole team's there. A great, a, a wonderful bunch of, uh, of people. Uh, but we, we have a very important partnership with, between Salesforce and AWS, which certainly you know, uh, long predated my right. coming back. Uh, to Amazon. We're very natural partners uh, with the capabilities that we have together and actually earlier this year we announced a significant expansion of that partnership with deep technical integration, not just go-to-market, where um, data you have on AWS can be automatically migrated and surfaced inside of Salesforce and Salesforce data can be easily uh, migrated and worked on inside of AWS seamlessly. So what it really means is that application developers have the best of both worlds and can have uh, really a mesh of AWS and Salesforce uh, and develop their applications on top of all that data with you know, very, very consistent uh, I- identity and, and data schema. It's, it's well, a great win for customers. This is all part of the great digitization, which I think must have been accelerated
2: by, uh, by COVID.
3: You know, McKinsey came out with a study last year, Jim, uh, just a few months into COVID, saying that between March and April of 2020, 5 years of digital Excel, digital transformation happened in 8 weeks. That's, that's I mean, it's so stunning. That's, and and we really saw that. I mean uh, basically if, if in February of 2020 you didn't think you were a digital company by April you knew you were. Well, well, and and was, you saw that on the upside and the downside obviously uh, uh, industries like teleconferencing, uh, AWS customers like Zoom absolutely took off and and being able to run on the the, the scalability and the elasticity of, the, of AWS and the cloud were, were key for them. And, uh, of course, other industries had a very difficult time, travel, yes. hospitality. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and for all of those companies, the ability to actually shrink their footprint, shrink their resources became incredibly important as they were trying to figure out where to spend spend their cash. So both on the upside and the downside, uh, the, the cloud was very important during the pandemic. But I think we'll look back at the end and say that we had about... Mm. We'll call it several years of acceleration of digital that. transformation. Well,
2: I know we got to wrap things up, but you,
3: you and Mr. Jassy, you, you worked together for many years and you're working together again. We did. Well, we had a, a wonderful uh, leadership team. And in fact, you know, the whole team at AWS, I was there for 11 years previously. Uh, I'm absolutely delighted, honored to be back um, working not only with Andy, but so many of the same uh, leaders I've worked with before. Uh, we've got a great team, and uh, we have a lot of work left ahead of us, a lot of innovation on behalf of our customers, and uh, we're just really excited about well, it. Well, I just think you're doing a terrific job. It's long been the unit that I re- I recognize as being the driver
2: for all, a lot of the success coming up. It's really
3: right. well, great. Well, thank you, and thank you for having me back oh, on, Jim. Oh, of
2: course, Adam. Uh-huh. That's Adam Slipsky's Amazon Web Services CEO, uh, fabulous CEO, and an unbelievably good company. Possible that we have finally broken through some of the gloom that's plagued this market. We've had an incredible couple of days, right? A rallying after a really volatile series of weeks where it really kind of ended up not so hot. Maybe things are changing. Maybe this is the inflection point, which is why it's the perfect time to start being constructive and reassess where your portfolio stands right now. And that's why tonight we're playing M I Diversify. This is where you call me, you tell me your top five holdings, and tell me you if your portfolio is diversified, or maybe you need to out 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 out. mix it up a bit. First up, a video call from Andrew in Florida. Andrew, what do you have for me?
1: Hey Jim, this is Andrew calling from Florida. I was wondering what you thought about my portfolio diversification. Right now, I've got about eighty-five percent of my money in Norwegian Cruise Line,
2: and fifteen uh, percent scattered between Spirit Airlines, DraftKings, Uber, and
1: Ford. What do you think of that?
2: All right, let's take a look at that, and I love that Deshaun jersey. It was the old days, and those days were good days. Uh- Look, Norwegian Cruise is absolutely my favorite travel and leisure play. So that's terrific. But that also means we don't need Spirit. I actually want to take that one out. I want to put United Health in after that fantastic quarter. DraftKings, an entertainment company. I'm not going to say it's exactly like Norwegian, doesn't trade with that. I think that Jason Robbins is extraordinary. Uber is a, the safest of the net stocks that I've heard about. And Ford is having, I think, a fantastic quarter and a great year. And I'm going to say, with the exception of that Spirit United Health, this young man, Andrew from Florida, Well played We we gotta go Let's go to Massachusetts Let's go to Matt in Massachusetts Matt Booyah Jim This is Matt coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts My top 5 are Amazon, Salesforce, Coca-Cola Home Depot and Disney Am I diversified enough? Well, first, I have to tell you that after the show, I will be up in Boston. I tell you, that portfolio is so good, I may have to drop into that, gentlemen. Uh, Amazon is both an entertainment company, of course, and a juggernaut technology company. Coca-Cola, I think that James Cookie's doing a good job. I like the yield, too. We get a little... Yeah, soft drink in there. beverages and carbonate. Uh, Home Depot doing amazingly well. One of the best retailers. Salesforce is my favorite of the cloud. And then Disney Entertainment King. Don't worry, I don't think they're going to spin up ESPN. It's got too much value. So we have entertainment. We have the one of the greatest retail stories online, of course. We've got Uh, Let's call it again beverage. we got Fabulous Tech and we've got a great retailer that is a brick and mortar play for large part. I think that, too, represents a portfolio we don't need to do anything with. And now we got another one from
1: Joel in Connecticut. Joel. Hey, Jim. Booyah. It's Joel in Connecticut. Big fan of yours. My stocks are Amazon, Ford, J.P. Morgan, Disney and Boeing. Am I <laughs> diversified?
2: Whoa! I mean, this gentleman is obviously a member of my investment club, which I urge you to join. These are my, A lot of these stocks that we've been hearing about are investment clubs named. This is what my travel trust is investing I in. actually have real money that I have invested, and I give away the profits. Okay? So what have we got here? Amazon, we already praised that. We're going to praise it again. Ford is having, I think, an amazing year. If they got all the semiconductors they need, this stock would be a 21 like this. I still think it takes out the 18 top that we saw in 2011. J.P. Morgan, it did great. I know why I was critical, but only because the others have done so much better at plastic good bag. I beat myself a big self-flagellation of Boeing. Where is it? I almost did this. I almost took this out and whipped myself, but I just ah, shoot. OK, well, you know, that's how I feel. And then Disney Entertainment. We've already praised it again. Chapel Trust name. So uh, retail the web services, uh, the, 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 the entertainment. Yes, aerospace, but you got to put the planes up in the air. <laughs> and then bank and auto. Terrific. Are we? I'm we, um, playing. Lastly, Betty in Florida. Betty.
1: Good evening, Mr. Kramer. I'm Betty from Florida. And I thank you very much for taking my phone call. I'm calling to ask, am I diversified? Of course. I have stock in CSX, Pfizer, Robin Hood, Zimmer Bonnet, and Eaton Corporation. And I do have one quick question. Would, could you give us seniors' advice on putting money in a stock that would deal with artificial intelligence? Thank you very much. I gotcha. Okay, here we
2: go. We're going to do both of those things. First of all, CSX reports next week. I think it's going to be okay, not great. Robinhood, it's got a big lockup expiration. I think the stock can head down from here. Eaton, they had a good quarter, not a great quarter versus the other industrials. Pfizer's good, but it does not do as well, frankly, as Eli Lilly, which is owned by Investment Charitable Trust. And Zimmer Biomet is, look, it's artificial knees. It's great parts of your body that you really need, and they've got that you don't. So we've got medical device, we've got drug. We got industrial, we have financial, and we have rail. I'm going to bless that. And the artificial intelligence name that you need is none other than NVIDIA. Now, you don't just you, you don't name, okay, your dog after a company if the company isn't a great one. Everybody's back into the break. And then the light rounds over. Are you ready? Keep that down to the right. Let's go with David in Texas. David! Hi, Jim. Thank you for having me. Uh, I wanted to get your opinion on a stock that I, I think is good for the long term, but it has come down quite a bit year to date for certain factors. Talk about grow generation, GRWG. No, we uh, we recommend that stock in the teens, and then it skyrocketed to the 40s, 50s, and we decided, okay, enough is enough. We ran the register and never looked back. Let's go to Jim in New York. Jim!
1: Yeah, hi, Jim. Happy Friday. Same. Hey, uh, you are, uh, I'm looking for an entry point. You were talking up a stock a couple of weeks ago. I've been tracking, and um, I'm looking for a good entry point for uh, Biohaven, BHP. Well, I've been out. talking
2: about Biohaven ever since they uh, helped me, meet, uh, basically, just let's just say, help me control my migraine problem. I'm the chief spokesperson for the American Migraine Foundation and the Biohaven uh, pill is just extraordinary. And that is enough to be able to continue to carry the stock ever further. It's called nurtech If you know someone or a loved one or you have a problem with migraine, I need you to check out this drug. Let's go to Luciano in Washington. Luciano. Hey, I'm Kramer. Booyah. How's the chill man doing today? Holy cow, it's me. Chills on the yeah. phone talking. Chill. Oh. It's the scariest
1: thing oh. ever. What's up? Oh, Jimmy, chill. I just got a quick request, and then your take on a stock. So I feel like you're a little hard on David every morning. I think everyone at Squawk on the Street needs to address David with proper introduction, which as as follows: Ladies and gentlemen, your celebrity guest host of Jeopardy, David Faber. Thank you, Johnny Gilbert. Now, hmm. quick, real quick, Don't uh, quick uh, Jacob company, this company just. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry. This company just reported negative earnings last week, but I feel like the stock's going to go to 50-60 a share in the next few months, which is very doable. What do you think of Accolade, chill man?
2: Oh, man, he's stumped. You know, like, this is terrible. I feel like they were playing Jeopardy, and he, he stumped me. I got to do some work on Accolade. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to come back. I love you, though. I love your whole attitude, your shtick, whatever. I need to go to Sam in Massachusetts. Sam! Jim, I am hip, deep, and American Eagle Outfitters with a cost basis of 31 bucks, And the contrarian in me, I want to double down. All right, I want we- you to double down. This is a very big position oh, for oh, Channel oh. Trust. He's got 3% yield. Matthew Boss, one of his favorite stocks right here. It's one of the reasons why we got involved, because in, Matthew's such a great analyst. He's from J.P. Morgan. We had the company on. They told a great story. It has been... Uh, without a doubt. And one of the reasons why you might like to join the investment club and hear me opine on things is I admit I was early, I was wrong, but now at three, with that usual growth that it's got, I am not going to be, uh, I'm, let's say, I can't be sanguine because I'm down on it. But I am excited about the prospects of the future, as I'll communicate when I do my talk for the club not long from now. Richard in California, Richard!
1: Hi, Jim. Great show. Oh, Today thank I'm you. Calling about the only <laughs> Today I'm calling about the only pure play medical company in its space. Imaging is the heart and soul of all good medicine. Insurance payers opting to send patients away from hospitals to standalone centers where the cost is up to 75% lower. Big right. pharma needing imaging for the new blockbuster drugs like Biogen's Alzheimer's drug. Right. Not to forget about
2: all the baby boomers. Yep. The small stock float company revenue and earnings volume
1: exploding higher each quarter. The company's okay. third quarter coming out in three weeks, which has been historically the best quarter of the year. All right. And it's had a nice pullback already right. what, 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 in the past that be nine a... weeks.
0: What's it a... is
2: called Radna. What? I missed the name of the stock. All right. No, Radna's a good stock. I mean, it's come down a lot, but this is the kind of healthcare stock I do like. It's got such a high mobile stock. That's what's hurting. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
1: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
2: Earlier I told you I think crypto is getting overheated right now, but I remain a big believer in digital currencies. Why? Because there's a vast contingent of younger investors who believe it's the best order of value away from the dollar. Do I agree with them? Sometimes more than others. But what I think doesn't matter... What matters is that I believe that they believe. And you know what? That's enough. It's why I own Ethereum, although I'm considering letting up some, given how much it's run. But I'll keep a core position. Now, for the longest time, I've told you to keep 10% of your assets in gold as a hedge against everything from economic chaos to inflation. But a little more than a year ago, I started hearing endlessly from younger people about how Bitcoin and Ethereum were better alternatives than gold. So I took the plunge, and I am glad I did. I'm eagerly awaiting what happens when the SEC gives this blessing to the first Bitcoin ETS. That could happen Tuesday. I think Bitcoin has been bit up greedily in anticipation of that event. So there should be still one more pop. And that's when you want to ring the register on some of your position. My guess is that the gains have been stolen ahead of time before the ETF launches. Everybody knows about the ETF. That said, if you're worried about inflation and the debasement of the dollar, as I am, legitimate worries for the first time in ages, frankly, then you naturally want to own something other than U.S. dollars, U.S. treasuries. Crypto is that something. It's a speculative, high-risk, high-reward way to guard against inflation. Meanwhile, gold peaked on June 1st. It hasn't been working as an insurance policy at all. And look, this is not the only thing that young people can teach us. When you ask them where they want to store their cash, they don't name a bank. They say PayPal or maybe Robinhood or Square's Cash App. They regard these entities as digital wallets. And while I don't want to overgeneralize, they increasingly feel like de facto banks to me, but they're less regulated. It gives them more opportunity to do things. Younger people simply don't trust the traditional banks. If you came of age in the wake of the financial crisis, maybe you wouldn't either. My generation regarded it as a big deal to have a brick-and-mortar entity where we could show up in person. I deal with a banker who knew you. That's become impossible these days. So if you aren't going to get any real service, why bother with the banks if you can conveniently go to PayPal or Cash App and you don't have to speak to anybody? Now, I don't think the old school financials will always be this distrusted. Uh, American Express reports next week, and I bet they'll tell us how they've won all- over a lot of millennials. Their card seems to have cross-generation appeal. I also know the Bank of America's digital offerings are incredibly popular, with their Zelle payments platform even giving PayPal's Venmo a run for the money. And I'm pretty shocked that younger people don't seem to know their history. If you ever need to leave your home in a hurry, you want to preserve your assets. Gold remains your best friend for that, physical gold. But they don't think like that, though. Ultimately, what matters is that younger people keep breaking with the old financial order. And that's the biggest reason for the strength in PayPal and Square, which, by the way, we just learned tonight, is considering creating a Bitcoin mining system. And there's a firm, that can of buy now, pay later. If you grew up with the Internet, why would you want to do anything in person when you can get it done more conveniently online? For younger people who are used to doing everything with a click of a button and, of course, speaking to no one, traditional banking is a pain in the neck. But PayPal, they make it easy. Maybe that's why we've got such a big position in this one for the charitable trust and why I keep telling you, Investment Club members, that it's a buy right here, right now. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you i find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday.
1: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you.